All right, guys, welcome in. Not necessarily Cube Show here, uh, a college football podcast that we still would deliver to you each and every Sunday. We're going to change things up just a little bit and bring you conversations with Cole, just a little bit of a different series that we're going to have still here on this channel. Talk to some interesting people in and around college football, about college football and about other things that are just fun and entertaining because uh, we're going to have access to different people and we want to have those conversations. So won't be a real set schedule. It'll kind of be randomly that we throw these out depending on who it is, when it is. But had a chance to get down to the Reese's Senior Bowl Hall of Fame induction this past weekend, as you saw on last week's show, and had a chance to have a couple cool conversations. And we're going to share some of those with you here on the channel. All right. So first, Jim Nagy. The executive director of the Reese Senior Bowl, been in scouting for a long time, worked in the NFL, somebody who I really respect, really admire, uh, wanted to kind of go into a little bit of how scouting has changed, uh, maybe how the portal is helping players, hurting players, helping scouting, hurting scouting, and then get into a couple of guys that are coming up in the SEC this season he's looking forward to watching. We had a fun conversation. Interesting names came up, both that are now in the league, that have come through the Senior Bowl, and guys that are going to be playing in the SEC this this fall. So here's my conversation with Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. All right, excited to sit down with director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. And first off, I want to talk about today what, what you're doing. You're you're inducting new members into the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame tonight. You got some awesome names. I, I mean, Marshall Yonda, the guy I love watching play, obviously. Regular fans might not know, but just a filthy offensive lineman. Everybody knows Clay Matthews, obviously the hair of the Matthews family. <laughs> right. uh, they know what he's all about. But this to be here at the Grand and to be able to do this, I appreciate you having me down, by the way. It's just it's really cool you guys are able to do this here. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. They've had the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame since 88. Um, I mean, it's the first class was Joe Namath and Bo Jackson. and all these, <laughs> I mean, Walter Payton. There's all these guys. Um, but we just moved it out here two years ago. So this is year three at the Grand Hotel. Um, the event has always fallen in different parts of the calendar, but the summer just made a lot of sense. And then we paired it with a charity golf tournament that you're going to be playing in on Monday. Um, and all the proceeds from that are to, there's a lot of uh, underfunded public high schools down here, football yep. programs that need some need some help. So that's what all that's what the charity money's going towards. So, no, it's been great. The last couple of years, I mean, it's been a who's who um, of guys that are going to be going to Canton. Like you bring up Marshall Yonda's name uh, to the casual fan. Maybe, you know, offensive guards aren't exactly. aren't, aren't real sexy names. Um but the guy went to, he was all pro seven times. Like pe- people, a lot of people don't know the difference between pro bowl and all pro, like all pros a, a much bigger recognition Absolutely. than the pro bowl. So to go to seven all pro teams, I mean, that resume is going to get him in Canton someday. So to be, to be, uh, to be all pro, you don't have to have like six other guys in the playoffs or injured that aren't going to play. And then you find your way in. So right. You're, that's the guy at that position. That's, so. that's the guy. There's so, another guy that's, uh, that's interesting that you guys are, um, you're, you're going to sort of, uh, I guess, recognize recognized this weekend and I feel like he sort of encompasses what you guys do is Damian Pierce Mm -hmm. when I watched him play at Florida they had a crowded backfield and then they kind of when he was there you know they they had Trask and Pitts and those guys so they went away from really handing the ball off a ton but he just got it done and I remember him going a little bit later I'm thinking that guy's just going to be able to grind out yards in the league he's going to be solid and somebody who I just feel like from how you guys scout how you guys help players he's almost a perfect example of someone that that should be affiliated with what you guys are doing. He he is no Damien's one of our favorite guys, and he was that year. He had a hundred he had a hundred touches 
his last year at Florida. Um, put, to put that in perspective, um, Derrick Henry, his last year at Alabama, had 251 <laughs> just rushes, right. um, just carries. So, so, yeah, that's what the Senior Bowl is about, bringing these guys in and spotlighting them and, and giving them a big stage. Because, again, sometimes in college, you, it's, it's about opportunities. And sometimes you're stuck behind a good player. Or, like you said, you've got a lot of different skill yep. players on offense, so you don't get the ball. And sometimes it's just showcasing guys in a different role. You know, like defensive players that, you know, are, are used mostly as a box safety and you don't see them play from depth or in man coverage. And we do that here in Mobile. And then the teams are like, wow, this guy can do it. Absolutely. Um, so it helps answer some of those questions. Or offensive linemen that have never played center, they come down here and they play center. And the teams are like, wow, that looks pretty good. This guy might be able to play center. So, yeah, Damian, he's going to be one of our co-offensive rookies of the year this year. Um, and, yeah, had a phenomenal year last year for the Houston Texans. I remember I was here two years ago and there were a couple of guys at, at the practices there were a couple of guys that were going to be worked out at center. Uh, the kid from Virginia Tech, his name slips my mind right now. He was one. I remember asking a couple of them, like, how many times have you snapped the ball? Never. Yeah. But then they get down here and you say, okay, they can handle it, they can do it, and then that gives them a better opportunity to make a roster and be a better player in the NFL. And, Cole, you know this better than anyone being a former offensive lineman. That's a really hard thing. That's a skill to be able to snap a ball and get that snap hand up. Like if to a casual fan, oh, he's still playing offensive line. It's all the same thing. No, it's not. Um, and we've had a number of guys. I mean, just off the top of my head, um, last year, Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga yep. never snapped a ball in a competitive environment in his life. Does it down here. Goes in the first round of the Patriots. Um, Zion Johnson last year, too, from Boston College, yep. never snapped in a competitive environment. And really the biggest one to me is Quinn Miners. We had this guy from, from a Division three school a couple years years ago, uh, Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. So not only is he making a jump from Division Three up to guys that, that play for Auburn and Alabama and LSU, now he's got to snap a ball. Um, and he was awesome at it, and he won the third round. A Division Three guy going in the third round, pretty incredible. And I feel like the smaller school guys, especially on the offensive line, through you guys are making a big jump here recently. Uh, we saw Cody mock this last year. Uh, we saw a couple of guys two years ago when I was here. Trevor kid, Penning. Trevor Penning just, I mean, he was making noise everywhere because he was driving guys out of bounds and <laughs> right, everything. But right. I mean, everybody was getting mad at that, but I was like, he's making a name for himself. Yep. And he's doing what it takes for people to notice him. It is How much of that has to do with the portal and some of the smaller guys staying and just developing and playing three or four years and becoming the best at being that, the left tackle for that team or the right guard for that team as opposed to, well, I was here and then I went there and my technique changed and the system changed. Is that part of what's benefiting some of the guys at smaller schools, you think? Yeah, I think it's a couple things, Cole. I think uh, when you talk about small school players, there's more patience. There's more development, better development in some cases. You know, you, you look at some of the Power 5 programs, they want the ready-made yeah. 6'5", 300-pound kid coming out of high school. Well, you're not going to get that at the North Dakota States and Northern Iowa. So they'll bring in a guy like Cody Mock, who is a 220-pound tight end, yep. right? And just be patient with him. And, you know, two, three years down the road, he's 280. Then by his senior year, he's 305. Um, but if you get that 220 pound tight end, you're probably dealing with a better baseline athlete than you are the kid that's 315 pounds in high school. He's probably going to end up being a better mover and more flexible and all those things. So, you know, what, I, what I'm scared about the portal for our game is because, like you said, part of the great history of the Senior Bowl is giving these small school players a platform. And with the portal now, I mean, you're seeing them all they're all going up, at least as, you know, as seniors. Maybe they'll play three or four years, and then for that fourth or fifth year, let's go take a shot at, at, at a yep. big program. So I hope that doesn't happen. I love seeing the small school helmets in our game, but we'll see. Uh, so that's kind of where I, one of the, where, uh, the areas I wanted to go with you, and that is just I want to know from you, and maybe not even just your thoughts, but what you hear. 
and sort of what the chatter is about how scouting is affected, being affected by the portal. Um, you get a kid like Juice Wells from James Madison. He goes to South Carolina, and he he, he fits. He can do it. They're, they're not SEC guys that can cover him, and he's someone that can, you see can play anywhere. Yep. Um, there doesn't seem to be also a lot of guys going down that aren't getting the reps to say, hey, like guys from North Dakota State and Tennessee Chattanooga are getting drafted early. If you were to go down a level and actually play, play and get the reps, that might benefit you more. I'm, I'm just interested from you. Guys from smaller schools going up, maybe the lack of guys from bigger schools going down. How, how does it affect the scouting process, and what are you hearing about it? Well, the hardest part is tracking them. Where are these guys? You know, and we, and we face it. You know, I mean, the, the portal, it's really hard to track. We, we've got a service that helps us in that, but you're like, man, where is that's popping all the time. So I know I hear a lot from NFL scouts is just the, the constant movement of these players. And, you know, that makes it difficult on the background part of it, too, because you want to hear from everyone that's that's touched this player. Right. And if he's been at two or three different schools, I mean, it, it just creates a lot more Absolutely. work. It can it can also help paint paint a better picture, too. You can kind of see more people exposed to the player, more different opinions on them. So you can kind of help help do that. But but, yeah, I think what, where I've been surprised so far with the portal, we have seen a lot of guys going up. I'm surprised there's more guys not going down because, again, if, if you're stuck in a, a Power 5 program or even a group of five um, and you're not getting the playing time, you got to get tape. I mean, that's yep. the biggest thing, like play. You need, If you're stuck three years at University of South Carolina, um, you brought up Juice Wells, and you're not getting on the field, well, why wouldn't you go down to the, you know, why wouldn't you go down to Coastal Carolina or why wouldn't you yep. go all the way down to, you know, South Carolina State or a school like that and just play and let the, let the team see you because teams are getting, you know, players are getting drafted out of the school. So I think we're seeing the movement up. We haven't seen it down yet. To me, I always thought when the portals popped a couple years ago, I thought that it would be the group of five schools that really benefited because you'd be getting the, you'd be getting the yeah. FCS and the D2s coming up and probably not wanting to go all the way up to Power 5. Let's let's test this FBS thing out, but not a Power 5 going up. And then you'd be getting the Power 5s wanting to go down maybe one step. But um, we haven't quite seen that yet, but it's still early. We'll, sure. s- we'll see. I know he's not in the NFL, but I, I think I, a perfect example of that was Cole Kelly you know, the, the giant quarterback at Arkansas a couple of years ago, and it, he just wasn't going to play. He was 6'7", 300, or 280, whatever he was, like the, a giant, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, yeah, he's probably not a quarterback. Well, he goes to southeast Louisiana, and they're, they're going run and shoot, and he's throwing it all over the place, and now he's starting in the USFL. Like, But he's still making a career out of football because he made that move. If he doesn't make that move, he's not even getting that opportunity. So No question. Um, so w- what can it do? You mentioned, we talked about Juice Wells. Let's say a guy, I'm just going to throw out a name, Dylan Wade going to Auburn. He's been a tackle at Tulsa. He's played really good football. He looks like a guy on film that is going to fit and going to be fine. What does it do for a Juice Wells, a Dylan Wade, if they come in the SEC and they are successful? Like, are we talking around two rounds? There's, I know it's a little bit hypothetical, but how much benefit would those guys see if they are successful at that level? Yeah, it can be multiple rounds for sure. Um, it's just proving yourself against a better level of competition. There's, there's no question about it. And I think the other thing is, is how they, have, how they handle the bigger stage, right? I mean, I've seen it. I'm probably more in tune with it now, you know, in my position with the Senior Bowl than I was as an NFL scout. I mean, I've been coming to the Senior Bowl since 1997. Right. Um, but I'm more in tune with just the anxiety of the week and the big stage. Like my first year at the Senior Bowl, we brought some small school guys in um, and I probably didn't do a good enough job talking to coaches on that staff because guys were wide-eyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to have some confidence about you. You're going against the best of the best. It's a step up. And we lost a couple guys, honestly, that first year. I was like, oh, 
oh, this is, I saw it right away. They got off the bus and I was like, the, you know, the eyes were pretty big. So I've, I've done a better job. We've done a better job as a staff is when we're ready to, to invite a guy off talent, making sure we connect with enough people at the school. It's like, okay, this is going to be big. Is he, is he confident enough to handle it? So again, you making that jump, it's not just the competition. Like, you you know just the confidence part and sure, the makeup yeah. part is like you're you're a dude at that level. Um, I think I think it can definitely help those guys. How much do you think also NFL Network, ESPN, the practices all week, people down there covering it, they see it on social media. Even if it's just a clip and pass pro with the left tackle against the D end, or then obviously the game. How much do you think that's helped the smaller school guys say, oh, yeah, I can go do this or just understand what it is and what it's going to be about? Yeah, no. And again, just the, the visibility. You guys come down for ESPN, do a great job. NFL Network's been our, our game partner for a long, long time. They do a great job of this. But, yeah, I think that I think that I think the game is seen more. You know, I think the visibility of the game, the social media, we've, we've really tried hard over the last five years yeah. to grow the social media part. So the, the players are aware. They see it. I think they I think they're coming in. I think the players are more prepared for what this week's going to be all about. All right. Let's uh, I want to talk about a couple guys just in the SEC. We yep. mentioned Juice Wells. I've got him as my best receiver returning in the SEC. Malik Neighbors is out there, obviously, really good prospect. But do you see him as as kind of an, an early round guy, sort of a, a legit NFL starter? Yeah, they, and they've got a couple. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the board right now. I'm still learning. That's the hardest part for me is like after a draft, like dumping all the names out of my head, start all over, and starting again. all over. So I'm still like I cheat in my office. I've got the boards in my office, and I you know, when I'm doing radio shows or podcasts, you know, I can kind of look up at the board. Absolutely. And so, um, but there, we have I think Sarah, South Carolina's got a couple of receivers that are that are up there. But yeah, he's he's got a chance to be a starter. Um, you watch the JMU tape, really explosive guy. It's going to translate. Um, Brew McCoy at Tennessee, like there's another name. Big physical uh, kid. Yeah, yeah, Jermaine Burton at Alabama. I mean, I liked his tape maybe a little more than I even thought I would when I watched what do you What is it about Burton that people don't like? Because he, to me, I hate using these comps, and I covered him a bunch in the XFL this year, but like he's a little Heinz Wardish, like B plus A minus at everything. Like, But obviously not Jamison Williams taking the top off or – you know, Megatron as far as size, he just, he feels like he is pretty good at it. He has no minuses, I guess. Right. He's a really steady player, really dependable player. Um, really catches the ball well, good in the intermediate game. Like I've seen him, even when he was at Georgia, I was at the Alabama Georgia game a few years ago yep. and they went over the top to him a couple of times. And I was like, okay, this guy can run. Um, but just his all around game, like he's a, he's a pretty polished player. So the more I watched him, the more I liked him. So, I mean, they, you're going to get receivers out of the SEC. Like it's, it's just, it's just the league to go get those guys. So, um, you know, and another guy, Ricky Pearsall at Florida. Um, I love his game. Yeah. I mean, he's another guy like he and he and, uh, we watched him last year. He was eligible for the Senior Bowl last year. I kind of thought he might come out, but uh, we've had a bunch of Florida receivers in the game over the years, and, and uh, Pearsall's got a really cool game too. Like he could step in and be a starting slot pretty early in his career. Biggest misconception about scouting wide receivers because I think people are going to look at the stats and they're going to say, "Oh well, you know, he's under six two, whatever. He's not tall enough, not whatever." Jalen Waddle's ripping it up in Miami. Like what? What's the biggest thing that you look at that you don't think most fans pay any attention to with a wide receiver? I would say the hardest thing for us is like is the stats part of it, right? I think fans look at and I take a lot of flack on social media. Well, our guy's got 80 catches for 1,400 yards, you didn't, but you invited this guy. Um, I mean, you look around the country as much as people chuck it around now. You've got two or three guys in every roster that are catching 50 yeah, balls for sure. Um, so it just goes down to the baseline talent of the player. I mean, we a couple of years ago we invited a guy um, from LSU. Well, we had Stephon. 
Sullivan a couple of years ago from from that really good LSU team, yep. and then uh, the next year, Racy McMath. I mean, I think I think Sullivan had ten catches at LSU. Racy had like seventeen his senior year. Right. Um, but big height, weight, speed guy, and Racy went in the fourth round. Stefan went like the sixth round. So. Um, you know, like Damian Pierce with the touches we talked Absolutely. about earlier, like yeah. it's not about production. Um, for me, the biggest thing, if you're just asking a scouting question, like what carries over is run after catch. I mean, because you don't see a lot of college receivers run a full NFL route tree. So you don't see them drop their weight. You don't see them get in and out of stuff. But you can see that stuff when they got the ball in their hands, just by nature, breaking guys down and dropping their hips and that short area change of direction. Um, so it can help you project the overall skill set. So I, I always watch guys what they do after the catch, and it, it always helps me. Another guy that you guys have here this weekend, Lane Johnson, going to be going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it makes me think about tackles. He obviously was big time coming out. He's been big time in the NFL I feel like in college football, like we had this massive group of elite tackles and we kind of took a dip the last few years, especially in the SEC, where it was almost just three or four plug and go first round tackles every year. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's coming back a little bit like the the tackle position and some of those may be transfers, but like Alabama's got a guy, Florida's got a guy. Uh, I love the kid at Missouri. I think he can play. I think think, Foster. I think Foster is the most game ready NFL guy right now, but. Obviously, the two young ones at LSU, you're not ready for those guys just yet. There's a couple of young pubs that look like they're going to be for real, but if do you feel like the tackle position is trending up a little bit, especially in the SEC? Yeah, well, I think for a while there, we were just stuck taking guys out of Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I think, uh, Jonah Williams, Cam Robinson, Jedrick Wills. It was just, yeah, it over was just over one, over. one after another. So, uh, you know, I, I think last year having Darnell Wright go 10th overall out of Tennessee, you know, senior bowl alum guy. Um, yeah, I think you're seeing that. I think the, the tackle position's bouncing back in, in, in more widespread. Um, there's some good, there's some good ones and maybe they just because of the transfer portal. You know, I was watching a guy, last night who played at UTEP and gosh, where did he transfer to? I'm trying to think in my head, where did that guy go? But he was playing right tackle at UTEP last year and he's going to a much bigger program this year. Um, really good player. So wherever he goes, I know yeah. he's going to be successful, but you know, the crazy thing you bring up Lane's name um, and we'll talk about it tonight at the induction ceremony. When he went to Kilgore junior college in East Texas, small, old, small little school, he was a quarterback. He went there as a quarterback. Then he played some tight end. Then he goes to Oklahoma. He's the scout team quarterback his first year in Norman. That's insane. Th- then they move him to defensive line, um, and he plays some D-line in spring ball. He doesn't become a full-time offensive lineman until fall camp going into his junior year. And then he, he plays he plays right tackle one year, left tackle the next, all, all Big 12. And I mean, he went fourth overall um, in the draft, and now he's probably going to go in Canton someday. But what an unbelievable, you know, just the path of that guy. I mean, scout team quarterback and junior college quarterback to uh, to like an a NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame guy at tackle. It's, it's funny that it's Oklahoma because they got a right tackle right now that I think has only been on the offensive line for like 18 or 19 months. He can move. He can go. He played in three games last year. He's 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 our top tackle on our board right okay, now. Okay, well, pretty <laughs> good. His, his last his, his last name is Guyton. Yes, um, yes. And yeah, he did. He we had they had Anton Harrison go in the first round of the yep. Jags. Um, you know, they had Wanya Morris who played in the senior will go yep. in the third round of Kansas City. So this guy was kind of stuck behind two good players. Um, but when you watch Guyton's tape, you're like, whoa, yep. he, he does stuff you shouldn't be able to do. Stuff you they, can't coach. And he got the kid from Stanford <laughs> who's just a, like a behemoth. Too, Walter Rouse. Yeah. He's a big boy. Yep. Um, I could sit here and talk about offensive linemen all day. One guy that I think the the thought process, the perception on that is very different in different places going into this season is Cedric Van Pran at Georgia. I, I love the kid. Mm-hmm. Now I will say I say this about certain guys like Juice Wells is one. Like 
I've talked to his position coach about him a lot. I've talked to Shane about him a lot. I know his mentality. So that part wins me over a little bit more. Absolutely. Cedric's kind of the same way. Like uh, I've talked to his position coach, Coach Searles, a bunch about him. And he's like, handles everything, wants it all on his plate. A guy that wants to be that leader. He directs all of our traffic. So I hear that and automatically like the kid a little more, no matter how the film looks. But then the film looks really good. But I see people nationally like, oh, he might not be a top 10 center coming back or not a top five center. Like, I think he's the best center coming back in college football. And I know you're a fan of his as well. <laughs> if he's not a top 10 center, I, I want to see the, I want to see, see the other 10. I want to see yeah. those 10 guys. Those guys. Um, and you probably talked to Cedric last year at SEC Media Days too. Yeah. I mean, this guy's impressive. Very. And when you put on the tape for me, what, what, can def, you know what differentiates a, a good college center in an NFL center is just the play strength. I mean, there's a lot of good undersized college centers oh, yeah. that are six two, two eighty five, two ninety. Um, but when you get to the next level and you got to handle big nose tackles, I mean, you got to have some size and some girth and some play strength. And that's where Cedric, that's where he stands out. I mean, he's a, he's a strong dude. He can play at the second level. All the all the intangible stuff you're talking about, which is huge. I mean, for especially for center. I mean, yes. oh, I, I was having dinner a couple weeks ago with a, a guy that's projected to be a first round pick in next year's an offensive lineman I said you guys like uh, as a scout I will give athleticism a little bit to get like the, the intangible part yeah. it's so important on the offensive line the toughness the competitiveness the football intelligence and um, Cedric's got all that stuff that's what you like what you talked about with Spencer here a couple years ago for, uh, from a small school Cody from a small school like when then you see those guys go the way that they are it's like okay we've got the mentality I don't know if I can coach that in, but we'll take right. that and then we'll go on from there. Yep. I'm just kind of, I'm going to blindside you with this one, but I'm just interested in your thought. And just Brock Bowers looks like such a unicorn. Um, I talked to Kirby a couple weeks ago at a golf tournament in Birmingham because Brock, when I interviewed him during the year, we had him against Missouri. I was like, man, what are you going to do? Ask to play tailback? He's like, well, you know, I only played tailback in high school. I was like, okay, wow. So I was joking with Kirby about it. Like, you've let him do all this other stuff. Are you going to give him a shot at tailback? And he's like, well, you know, we were down numbers in the spring. So he actually played some running back for us. Wow. I was like, you got me That's me. incredible. So, like, what, <laughs> where, what, does he have a comp right now in the NFL? Like, does he, have you seen anybody like him? He just, it, it, I know the point of attack stuff like Darnell Washington was that unicorn last year. Sure. And he's leaping over guys out on the I perimeter. I have an answer for that. Is there something else I can help with? No, ma'am. Siri, we're good. I don't know how you just popped up. <laughs> we just triggered Siri. There you go. Um, like, what is he at the next level? Yeah, um, he's he's a darn good player. I was at their South Carolina game two two falls ago when he was a true freshman. And again, I, I don't. This is kind of an. I don't want it to be an outlandish statement, but there's very few guys that can dr- transition at, at that age to the NFL. He looked maybe like he could have, yeah. you know, from just a, a body maturation standpoint and a skill set. The, the running back stuff is really interesting. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, last year they're using their tight end on jet sweeps. How yep. often do you see that? You don't. You don't see that. So I didn't know about the high school background stuff, which as a scout, my, my wheels immediately start turning. Like this guy hasn't like played detached and had to read coverage and do a lot of that stuff. So like his best football at tight end is still way ahead of him, right? right? You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's been a running back, running routes out of the backfield. Yeah. Like, that's that's a different animal being, you know, flexed out and doing some of that stuff. So that's cool. I mean, now you think Brock Bowers is close to a ceiling, and now you make that comment, like, maybe he's not. Maybe there's even more out there. But, but yeah, a unique player, man. It would be hard to see him going very far. And and it's like, uh, you know, there's a couple. Jaheim Bell was a guy that transferred from Ooh. South Carolina to Florida State this year. He gets his head on straight. Yeah. He, was, he is un. I, uh, you know, it's funny because before Auburn moved, when Harson was still there and Robbie Ashford started going quarterback full time, 
I was at spring practice and I was talking to Brian and I said, if I were you, I would go take South Carolina's bowl film against North Carolina and show Robbie what that kid did. Yep. Where he's at tailback. He's, you know, he's at H and he's coming in motion, getting a little jet. He's getting a shovel pass. He's catching a pass. Like let him take a direct snap here and there. He might be that kind of guy. That Jaheim Bell is a freak athlete. So I'm, you know, my, absolutely, 100% on all that stuff. But my point with that is, like, we watch Jaheim. We love Jaheim's talent. But, like, what is he? Like, where do we even put him on the board? Is he an F tight end? Is he a, is he a fullback? I don't care. He's a pass game mismatch guy. Yes. And same thing with Bowers. Like you said, I haven't watched it enough to know what he's like, you know, attached to the line of scrimmage with his hand in the dirt. I don't know what – again, I haven't seen him enough. Um but even if it's not great, I mean, he is a complete mismatch guy. And we're seeing, you know, Pitts went a couple years ago in the top 10 because he was a mismatch guy. Bowers is going to go pretty darn quickly here in the draft. Where is that position this year? Because, again, Portal, some interesting guys. Like, I think the Rivaldo Fairweather kid at Auburn's really interesting. FIU. And he was somebody, he lived in the slot a bunch. <laughs> and that's where, you know, there's a lot of Auburn fans like, you're way too high on this kid. I'm like, no, no, no. I've seen him in the slot against a nickel win one-on-one multiple times. Like, that shows me, like, I'm good. And then he'll get in line. I've always said, you get in line and, like, you give me the effort. Like, you put your face mask in a guy's chest. You throw your hands. You run your feet. I don't care if you move him back four yards. Like, because most tight ends, as you know, you see it a ton. They don't even want to try that. No. Like, split me out. I don't need to be in there. Um, you know, I think about the Knox kid at South Carolina who's taken over there. Uh, you yep. know, Trey Knox, a Trey former Knox, receiver at Arkansas. Perfect, another perfect example. Moved him down, and he'll get in there and go. He'll try. He's not a dominant blocker. Um, you know, the Mason Taylor kid's a little young at LSU. Michael Trigg at Ole Miss. He, I mean, looks like a basketball player. Doesn't like the physical part a whole lot. Been banged up. Like, where's tight end? Not just SEC, but kind of in general going into this draft. Yeah, I, I think the word that I always look for is he willing. You know, if there they're willing to put their face on people and, like you said, run their feet and occupy guys, whether it's with their length or their effort, that's enough. I mean, you're not going to find guys at the next level. They're going to. If you can find a tight end that's going to move people off the ball and just. Those guys are hard to find, you know. Um, so that the tight end position really is: can he can he be a mismatch guy in the pass game, or can he can he be like a third tackle, which Darnell Washington was last year? <laughs> George, you brought up you brought up that name, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a really coveted position. Um, the NFL, every, everyone in the league's looking for him. It's going to be another good class. We're talking about transfer type guys. Um, There's a really good one up in the Big Ten. Eric All went from Michigan to Iowa. Um, right now, he's one of our top rated guys. But but yeah, it's certainly a position. What we've tried to do over the years is because we always want to be mindful of what the NFL wants. Um, a couple of years ago, we took 10 tight ends and we took, we took lesser wideouts to the senior ball and brought more tight yep. ends. We're just trying to bring the best players. So, um, a couple of you, the, you know, even this past year was a really deep tight end class. So I think we went from eight to 10. So, uh, but another how, good class coming back. How many spots does tight end at Iowa as opposed to tight end anywhere else give you in the draft? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those schools. It's like tackling tight end at Iowa, like shoot, all yeah. of a sudden you just go up. Yeah, you're not supposed to scout the helmet, Cole, but uh, <laughs> but it, but it certainly when there's honestly when there's a track record at, at a position like right now we brought up Oklahoma with Guy and the offensive lineman. I mean, you look at you know, I mean the Creed Humphreys and, and the yep. guy. I mean they've they've had a nice little run here at offensive line, so you're like you feel good about that. Sure. You know these guys are and and sometimes it's the talent, but it's also the room they're coming out of. You know, like Bill Biedenbaugh at Oklahoma does a great job with with his guys, yes. so you know they're being trained the you know, they're trained the right way. Uh, but yeah, you you try not to do the helmet scouting thing, but sometimes. Um, both positively and negatively. Sure. Now, there are some cases out there in certain position groups in the country where guys haven't panned out from a certain school, and it makes you think a little bit. But, but yeah. I want to get your thoughts on edge um, because that's kind of like tight end where 
I mean, you listen, you've been in scouting a long time ago. It was what, four or five years ago when that actually became a thing. Yep. And we had to, we quit having to say, well, he's not an outside linebacker. He's not a defensive end. It's like, okay, he's edge. Like it's yeah. this whole thing. It's yeah. a whole new category. It's a new catch all category. Exactly. And we saw Will Anderson last year. We had, I feel like there were, there was a couple guys up there high and then a massive drop off. And some of that just was because different body types trying to do it, guys that didn't really fit. Where is that group going into this year? Better than last year? Deeper than last year? Um, for us right now, and I haven't gotten through all the defense yet, but it's probably a little lesser right right now. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe we've undergraded a couple guys, but uh, you know, again, I think what happened last year was when you had that you had that little that little divide, and then you got like the Derek Halls from Auburn yep. going in the, early in the second. Um, it's also just supply and demand. So last year's class was pretty deep, so I think a lot of GMs were like, you know, we can wait there. Sure. And let's take a position where we think it's a little thinner. So really the depth kind of played against some of those guys. And I think it, it hurt out some of the tight ends too. I think some teams, and when you got like Will Mallory from Miami going in the fifth round, he's yeah. the fastest tight end at the combine and like football character off the charts. And he's going in the fifth round yep. tells you that teams just felt like they could wait. Um, but yeah, this year's edge class, you're right. It's, I don't think it's quite as good, at least for us. Some maybe, maybe the juniors is better. Sure. Um, better class, but, but it's not quite where it was, where we had it last year. All right. Last one I got for you. Um, there is some concern, no non power five players in the first round. I think we got through 50 picks before there was a non power five player taken. There were some transfers there mm-hmm. guys who started their career there, but is, is that alarming to you? Is that, is that going to become a trend? Should we be worried about that? Yeah. Like uh, I mean, f- for us, yeah, I have that concern because that to me, that's part of the appeal of, of the senior bowl over the years is, is the small school helmet. I right. mean, a couple of years ago on the offensive line, man, we had like, we had Fordham and Southern Utah and North Dakota state and Northern Iowa. I mean, all the, I mean, Tennessee chat. I mean, we were, it was, I've had a couple guys where I'm like, I see the rosters. I'm like, all right, shit, I got to go look that guy up. And then it's <laughs> like, you find the film and like, watch where, that. Where I Southern know, Utah. I didn't know about them. Yeah, for so, sure. So I, I, yeah, that is a little, a little bit alarming. And I, and again, I think it's because of the portal. Um, there's no way, there's no coincidence there. There's no way that there shouldn't have been a group of five player right. draft in the, so it's the really good group of five guys are, there's just so much heat on these guys. I mean, they have, they have one good year at the power five and I, I can't get into schools and in specifics, but I got a call from a coach. Coach, um, over you know, a couple months ago from a, from a group of five program. And he was like, Jim, the SEC is hot and heavy after my guy. And I sat down to watch him. I'm like, man, like for an NFL projection to me, the guy wasn't even draftable, but, um, you know, he's like maybe late round pick, but more of a priority free agent level player. And if the SEC's you know, going crazy over guys like that, and throwing money at guys like that, like of course, what are they doing if they're a you know a top one, if they're a top yeah. one hundred pick? I mean, so it's hard for those guys to to turn it down. It was funny because we've talked about on this show how we've gotten to the point now where transfer is celebrated so much, like people just piss their pants when they see a kid that's transferred. They're like, we want him, we got to get him. Like, can we? If it's a position of need for their school, they want it. it. Doesn't matter what the film says or what they've done. It's just. We, we see the graphic and people right. go nuts and, oh, he's projected by this service to be whatever. And it's kind of like, no, man, I've seen him play. Like, he's not going to help you very much. Like, yes. there are, there's a couple offensive linemen coming into the SEC, and I'm kind of like, mm, no. And there's actually two power five guys coming to the SEC that people are really excited about. And I'm like, no, I don't think he's going to beat out what you have. Like, Let's slow our roll on Some that. of it's act in depth. <laughs> I get it. But anyway, listen, thanks for having us here. This has been great. I'm excited about tonight. And you guys do an awesome job, man. It's just being here at the Grand, going to be a part of this Hall of Fame banquet tonight. It's really cool. But we all know what you guys do for scouting, for college football. 
and then going into the NFL. Just uh, appreciative of everything you do. Oh, cool. Thanks for coming down. This is going to be going to be a fun couple of days. Thanks for Good thanks stuff. for coming down. Thanks, Jim. All right, so that's Conversations with Cole. It's going to live here on the Cube Show channel, but will be just a little bit different than what we bring you each and every Sunday. We're going to try to have a lot of these conversations, not really going to set a schedule as when they drop. It'll be a little bit more random as we come across guys that we sit down with, talk with, and it's always going to be football, especially college football, that we get into. Appreciate you tuning in. Please click subscribe, click like. At Cube Show 61 right here on YouTube, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Cube Show. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.